Welcome to the Wolverine Digest podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breiler. Does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? I just want to start by saying go blue. Here we are. Here we are. Me and Chris, uh, I don't know, man. Like, we're going to get into this. We're going to talk about this a little bit. On Saturday, we decided, you know, the well, we'll, <laughs> we'll get into a couple other things about Saturday, too. We'll talk about that here momentarily. But after the game was over on Saturday, I mean, Michigan cruised to a 29-7 win over Indiana. But, like, even, like, since then, on the website, kind of around social media, the traffic after the game, it just wasn't like there wasn't a ton of buzz. And so I had I had a family member in town. So after the game was over on Saturday, it was a night game. It was late. We just decided let's just pack it in. Let's head out of here. Let's get gone. We were gonna do the meet, we were gonna do the live stream on Sunday, and then both me and Chris just like kind of touched base and we're like, I don't know, man. I'm just not really feeling it. So we just decided we'll get back to it on on Monday today and kind of talk about all the stuff that we normally would talk about on a Saturday after the game. So I guess we'll start right there. Chris, first of all, I mean, think back to how the game kind of went, some of the stuff that went down. Michigan was favored by 20 or 21, I think, 20 and a half, something like that. They cover again. Pretty sleepy game. I mean, nothing super explosive, but then there you look up and it's Michigan wins by 22 points and they're 8-1. and one. I think you're muted there, big dog. Check, check, check. We got you. <laughs> so, yes, it was a sleepy game, but, I mean, how long did that game last? What time did we get out of there? Because I got to be honest, man, I don't know if it's as bad for the people at home watching, but when you're in the stadium, these TV timeouts, oh, yeah, just the, the, amount, the amount of empty time, like useless time throughout these games, it just feels like it drags on and on and on. And then – you know, when you're when you're lacking like explosiveness on the field itself. I know Hassan Haskins had a couple of big plays, but all in all, man, it just kind of felt like everybody was looking around thinking you knew Michigan was going to win, but the game just continued to drag out. And so it was difficult, difficult yeah, Saturday night. And then you got the time change. You know, I, everything is like I just feel like I could go into a cave and hibernate for like six months right now. Well, there's quite a few people throwing this up, and this is really what it is. I'll just I'll grab Douglas here. Several of you guys mentioned this, but the. The injuries, that's that's yeah. the big takeaway. A.J. Henning, Andrew Anthony, Blake Corum, obviously. Eric All did not play in the game, still dinged up. Jamon Green, multiple contributors, big-time players, big-time names, both sides of the ball, um, left the game hurt at some point or another. I think Blake Corum played like three snaps before he got hurt. A.J. Henning played just a couple snaps. Eric All didn't play at all because he was dinged up coming in. Um on a good note, the offensive line, the five starting offensive linemen played every offensive snap. That's the first time that's happened in a few weeks. So th they seem to be kind of, you know, getting back together, hitting their stride, gelling, whatever word you want to use ahead of this game against Penn State. But, yeah, the injuries were the big bummer coming out of there that, you know, multiple guys, particularly Blake Corum and Eric All. I think Eric All had really been stepping up lately, and for him to not play at all, and then Blake Corum to get hurt in the first quarter, and now you're wondering if either of those guys are going to be available on the road. Obviously, Hassan Haskins stepped in in a big way. I think he's the the no-brainer player of the game, right? I mean, yeah. he carried it almost 30 times, couple touchdowns. 
um, just had a really good game. I mean, stepped up in Hassan Haskins, uh, in Blake Corum's absence. Actually, only one touchdown. Thought he had two. One touchdown, 27 carries, a buck 68, and a touchdown with that long of 62, another big hurdle play. I mean, he just, you know, he really picked up the slack for, for Blake Corum being out. And Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards has also been out for a game or yeah. two now. And so, yeah, look at, looking a little thin uh, at the running back position. But, at, again, at the end of the day, I mean, Michigan covers a huge spread in their eight and one. It's just kind of weird how that seems to be like what happens almost every yeah. week. You're like, what what really happened in that game? What they won by twenty five? How did that happen? But yeah, there it is. Well, it, it was, you know, outside of the fact that the game took long, specifically, you know, what I walked away from Saturday feeling was, I I have a belief in this team, but I also have a very real fear that. Michigan will always find a way to get in its own way. And the reason I say that is because of that, that sequence in particular, you know, that I think it was that fourth down, they were going to attempt, or at least they, they showed that they were going to attempt to draw Indiana off sides. They let the clock run out. Michigan snaps it at the last second. Jim calls a timeout. There's K, you know, everybody in the press box kind of had the same reaction is that you didn't really know what the point of it was. It was almost like you were just being cute for the sake of being cute. Like there just wasn't a need to do it. So I don't want to like, I don't want to harp on that particular play because it was one play in a collection of, you know, a lot of plays, but those little things like that against Indiana, not so much of a big deal, but when you start pulling that shit against a team like Ohio state and you're making silly mistakes like that, it's going to come back to bite you. So I just, you know, the, the cute stuff, the unnecessary stuff, like if you don't need to do it, like don't do it. And to me, it didn't, it didn't even seem like the offense really knew what they were supposed to be doing at that moment in time. So a weird time for everybody to be, not be on the same page. Yeah. There were a couple moments kind of like that. Some weird calls. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It just, the whole game just kind of had a disjointed feel. I mean, we knew, we knew against Indiana and coming off of the Michigan state loss that it wasn't going to feel like anything like the week two game against Washington, but it, I mean, it wasn't even close. I mean, it wasn't even yeah. close for that to be a night game, you know, this late in the season, Michigan still now we know with a really good shot at a lot of stuff because of Michigan state falling to Purdue. It's like, man, that game just, I don't know. It felt dead in there, but Hey, 22 point win. Let's take a look back at that. First of all, you had, 37 to 16. I had 34 to 10. We were in the right ballpark, at least in terms of how much they would win by Michigan ends up winning by 22 points, 29 to seven. Let's talk about the predictions. And I actually didn't even get to the prediction article on Saturday. Just again, kind of a weird weekend, had family in town, ended up getting into some other shenanigans on Saturday that maybe I shouldn't have. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Chris, you can chime in as much as you want on that, but I, uh, my first prediction from the Friday pod was that Kate McNamara will throw two touchdown passes. And he did. He found Luke Schoonmaker twice. How about Scooney? that? Schoonie steps up and makes looking like OBJ out there. Three catches, 21 yards and two, gra two touchdown grabs. So he obviously had a really big day. Um, I don't know. How many touchdowns did you have Schoonmaker for in that one? I think I had him about three or four. I thought he was going to go off against Indy. <laughs> well, I mean, there was the factor that Eric all didn't play. I mean, there's yeah, he's yeah, gonna have there, to run, but that's a big game for him. That's a that's a big game, and and you know, I'm making a joke about that catch, but I mean, he came down the sideline, snagged the ball out of the air with one arm. I mean, that's you know, he's clearly got the athleticism to be a playmaker, and I think that. You know, the unfortunate part was Eric all was out, but the fortunate part was Schoonmaker got to, you know, make some solid contributions and things like that are only going to bode well for Michigan, you know, as they get down the road here, 
going into Happy Valley and of course at home against Ohio State. So yeah, I uh yeah, I mean he he's I've always liked him. When I covered him as a recruit, I wasn't I you know, I didn't really know what to expect coming in. He was like a you know, long, lanky, kind of skinny, played like dual threat quarterback and wide receiver in high school. And then obviously they moved him to tight end because he was pretty big. And obviously he's put a bunch of muscle, bunch of muscle on his frame and he looks the part right now. And so, yeah, the athleticism, the ability to run, uh, he, he can really run. We haven't really seen him open it up out in you know the open field or anything like that. But the fact that he made a play like that, not super surprising because he did a little bit of everything in high school. So now that he's playing more of like an inline tight end position, um, yeah, it's good to see him. Uh, it's, good, it's good to see him make some plays like that because for he, sure he's been putting work in. And, and Jim Jim Harbaugh has been pretty uh, pretty full of praise for the tight ends in terms of how they in terms of how they've been used in the in the running game. So seeing a tight end find his way into the end zone place is pretty cool. Um, yeah. Blake Coram will score a touchdown. Well, that one got derailed early. Uh, make a pretty good argument that maybe he would have. Yeah. With the, with the way Hassan Haskins ran the ball and how they were able to find some seams, but you know, he got dinged up and knocked out of the game super, super early. So that one obviously didn't happen. I mean, that's our guy, man. Been on the pod a bunch of times. Sucks to see him hurt. I think he was in a walking boot. I wonder, you know, what the prognosis is going to be for him on Saturday. Yeah. The the thing that sucks about it is obviously he's a, he's a really talented running back and you'd love to have him on the field. But I think fortunately for Michigan, one of the things that we talked about going into the season was that that position group was probably deeper than any other position group on the roster. And and fortunately it was because now two of the, two of the top guys are injured and they're going to have to lean on Hassan Haskins. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit later, uh, you know, when we get to like burning questions, but I just, Hassan Haskins, I, and I think I'm guilty of it too. I don't think that that kid gets near the love he deserves and especially watching him run over the last few weeks. I mean, it's not, I mean, it is flashy sometimes when he's hurtling guys, it's very flashy, but then other times he's just lowering his shoulder and he's churning his legs and he's dragging six or seven guys, another eight or nine yards. And so I think that again, it's unfortunate, but I think that Hassan Haskins is built for trying to carry that workload. He's the workhorse, and I think he can get through it for sure. He can be the guy by himself. There's, yeah. there is no question. I mean, it really sucks to have Blake Corum hurt. You'd love to have them both, but it kind of, I mean, I think both ways, honestly, if, if Haskins got dinged up and went down, I'd be like, well, Corum's fine. Right. Give him the ball 30 times. He's straight. I think I can't remember which, if it was a broadcast thing, or if I saw it after the fact or somebody, whoever said it, but like, both of them are unique because Hassan, you know, they're they're kind of viewed as like thunder and lightning, which I don't I don't know if that's completely accurate, but if you want to call them both that, Hassan as the thunder actually has the propensity for a big play. He can hurdle a guy, he can get out, get a 62-yard run, I think it was against Indiana. Uh-oh, Chris has got the fly this it's, week. It's it's a tiny little one, man. It's just buzzing around my head. I'm ready. Damn, um, I thought I had it like twice. So Haskins has the has the chance to make a big play. And then on the flip side, Corum is more the lightning, has the big play ability all the time, yeah. but he's powerful too, man. He goes yeah. forward when he carries the ball. So it's it's crazy how complete they both seem and like now they need it because Corum's out, Edwards has been out, Haskins picked up the slack, no problem at all on uh, on Saturday against Indiana. Um this was the one that you, I think you called me dumb. But, you know, this is, again, when I do these predictions, it's like I'm not going to say, like, oh, Hassan Haskins is going to carry the ball five times. Like, you try to envision a scenario where something a little out of the ordinary might yeah. happen or why you can explain that it might. I said Michigan would score a defensive or special teams touchdown. They did not. And I don't believe they haven't had one all season. And I feel like, you know, you should 
you should get one or two of those throughout the course of a season. Like if you're a big play defense, big play special teams unit, you should be able to do that. They haven't done it yet. So I don't know, not a surprise there. And I think you, you correctly called me a dummy on that one. Yeah. Just, and for that reason, we just haven't seen it. They haven't done it yet. And and you think it will happen at some point in time, but I don't know. I mean, they're, you know, they're obviously able to create turnovers. They're getting to the quarterback, you know, they're forcing, they're making a lot of things happen, but in terms of like, you know, taking, you know, a pick six or something like that, for whatever reason, they just haven't gotten around to it yet. And we're running out of time here, man. There's only three games left in the regular season. I think so. hopefully, you know what they're probably doing. They're probably saving it for November 27th. If that's I were what, a betting man, that's what somebody said, but somebody else again, we're going to get into this too. Somebody said they did have one. It was taken away from them. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson probably should have a defensive touchdown on the season, but he does not. Uh, not my fourth one came to fruition. They really must have focused on it because Michigan did not fumble the ball in the entire game. I said not not even just lose one, but they won't even fumble one. It will not hit the turf, and it didn't. I mean, you know, fumbles are you know fumbles are one of those things you can absolutely work on it and be really good at it and really focus on your ball security and take care of it. But sometimes they just freaking happen. They just do. But right. in this game, they didn't. They took care of it and. I'm like I said, I'm sure that was a point of emphasis all last week getting ready for this game after after Michigan State. Well, yeah, and and in particular when you think about Michigan's red zone issues and the fact that they're having to lean so heavily on field goals. Like you can't afford to turn the ball over. You can't afford to fumble. You can't afford to give up possessions when you're not scoring touchdowns. And so, yeah, at the very least, at a bare minimum, Michigan cannot turn the ball over. I mean, all things considered, I would I would call this a pretty conservative offense, wouldn't you? Yeah. So the, the, one of the benefits of a conservative offense should be no turnovers or, or very few turnovers. And I think, you know, this kind of like this offense has a different identity when JJ McCarthy's on the field, it's more like, you know, high risk, high reward, big play. And when Cade's out there, it's just kind of take what they give you. And, and, you know, we, we're not going to force the issue. And so you can't turn the ball over. If, if, if you're rolling with Cade and you're rolling with this style offense, you can't turn the ball over. Bottom yeah, I want to throw this up real quick because I've seen a lot of people asking about it. Um, like this name, too. I have an Uncle Jason, and my dad's name is Scott. So there you go, Jason Scott. Um, word on the injured guys. Coram Edwards, Andrew Anthony Henning, Eric All, Jamon Green. Quite a few guys dinged up right now. Jim Harbaugh, very you know, on-brand today, said, yeah, we'll see. That was pretty, that's pretty much all he said. Well, they're, they're figuring something out. I don't think it's going to be long-term for any of these guys, and meaning – this is me talking. This is Jim Harbaugh didn't say anything. He said kind of we'll we'll wait and see what happens. But I, I've heard and I don't think that anything is going to be long term. And in other words, we will see them all back at some point this season. Obviously, we're kind of run out of time, though. There's not a lot of games left. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully these guys are good and they can get back on the field. But yeah, nothing specific from anybody about the injuries for those uh for what what was that? Five, six guys I rattled off, I think there. Yeah. You yeah. guys up right now. Uh last one. And I was close to this one. He got down, I think, to maybe the one or two yard line. And then I think their running back punched it in a play later. But I thought the big freshman quarterback, Donovan McCauley, would have a rushing touchdown. He did not. He, he looked like he might, though. He, yeah, you know, he, yeah, he showed a little something. And he was, you know, he was faster than I thought he was going to be. But he's kind of like a big body out there. Like, yeah. I don't know, for a true freshman at night in the big house, November, I thought he, I thought he played. I wasn't bad. Yeah, he wasn't horrible. I mean, he went 10 for, well. <laughs> he went again to, i'm considering considering the whole you know the whole situation scenario i mean how much time did he have to prepare i you know I don't he know. went 10 for 24 for 88 yards 
I couldn't go 10 for 24 for 48 yards. <laughs> Who's so. he think he is? Cade McNamara? I'm sorry. That was He's not bad. Cade the Snake. Shouldn't have done that. Few no, people but are. That's a really that's a really tough spot. I mean, a true freshman. He's a third stringer. He wasn't expected to play at all this year. Then Pendix yeah. goes down. He's he can't stay healthy. Then Tuttle goes down. I mean, like you know, give the kid some credit. He didn't look. It, it didn't look like the moment was like the reason why. It, like Indiana's just not very good. They don't have a lot of talent. Kind of left him out to dry, and he's still figuring it out a little bit. But yeah, he did. He he did. Uh, he did have one nice run that kind of pushed himself down towards the goal line there. And I think a play or two later, they ran it in for their only touchdown of the night. So there you go. I went uh, I went a paltry two for five. I don't know. Listen, Corum, I kind of got screwed on that one. Yeah. Holly was within it about a yard or two. I'll, you know, I'll just, I'll just, I'll, bl- I'll, I'll get some turd polish out and say I went four for five, right? Like that's, <laughs> well, that seems to be a pretty common thing for some people around these parts. Right. I guarantee yeah, if you were to make those five. guesses again, you would have went they'd, four they'd, for they'd five. Come at true. Least. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, there you have it. Went two for five on the predictions. Both Chris and I in the ballpark for the score prediction. I said that Michigan would win by 24. Chris said by 21, they won by 22. There you go. Pretty yeah. good there. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to go first. I'm going to get it out of the way. This fucking guy. This fucking guy. TFG this week won Brandon Brown. Myself. <laughs> I put myself on the chopping block. I'm, gonna let, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tread lightly here. I partook a little bit more than I should have. Leading up to this game, Chris, did I not? There was some partaking. There, there was, was some, some partaking. partaking. Like I said, I had my cousin in town. We haven't hung out in a long time. We're basically he's seven years younger than me, but we're essentially the same person. I don't know. Chris got to hang out with both of us. I'll let Chris speak on this a little bit, but I, I partook, and it was obvious. I think it was obvious, and. Uh, Luckily, here we are. Still have a job. Still welcome back in the press box. Uh, got some work done on Saturday night. Yeah, but I don't know. I'll let you say a little bit. Like, don't, like, listen here. Like, be careful. I will. Be careful. I will be careful. I, I, I understand the the situation here. I will be careful. It's a what night, I, dude. I mean, you got all day. You got to get there. You know, it, it felt like it felt like whatever. All right, Brandon. Brandon went full full tilt back to fandom. Like it was a Saturday as a fan. I, I'm waiting for him. Cause we, we meet at the same spot and then we go park next to the stadium where we got our, you know, our parking area. Correct. Brandon rolls up booty clapping, doing the crip walk. Whoa. <laughs> you know, Whoa. there was all, there was all kinds of crazy stuff going on when he got out of the car. He, he well, I, I should back up. I'm on us 23 going South and I get a call from Brandon kind of letting me know his, his condition. And and we had a long talk about whether or not I should even come down or the game was, we were going to go to the game. We did go to the game. Uh, like I said, there was some booty clapping, some crip walking. I believe that Brandon Brown accused John U bacon of having drugs in his bag and a bacon cheeseburger in his bag. True story to, to the authorities at the door when we were going in, but man, it was, Hey, Hey, look at, here's the thing. What mm-hmm. do we do for a living? This is sports, man. This is sports. It's fun. If you get a little, you know, you get a little tipsy and go in the press box once in a while. Can, can we live? Can we be human? True story. Uh, think of every every bacon-driven joke you can think of. I believe I tossed it at Johnny. The Baconator. The Baconator. Called, called him the Baconator. Said that he had a bacon cheeseburger in his bag. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was. It was the time. 
it was a do, time. Do we dare? Do we dare talk about your halftime nap? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I'm actually, I am actually still dealing with a little bit of a neck thing. This is unrelated to the events of Saturday, but my neck and my head was really bothering me. And then you sprinkling everything else that that went down on Saturday during halftime. Went upstairs, found a recliner, just wanted to rest my eyes for a minute. And uh, I made it back. I made it back for the third quarter. Right, professionals. You guys hey, are getting. You guys are getting top quality professional content here. It was no, 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 no. I got it. I got it. No. What? No. I. I'm electric. No. 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 I'm, it was. It was the. the I, listen. I don't I'm know what straw, it was. I'm the straw that stirs the drink. This, this is not a. This is not. No. Well, there was no. There was no. Yeah, you heard. No, that. no, you're the you're the Mentos and like the Diet Coke. Okay, that's what you are. That's what you. Are. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Anyway, in other news. In All right, other news. news. I guess right, I got to go to my TFG. This guy. Yeah. Well, I feel like if I go to my TFG, it's it's gonna be roll right into a rant that I kind of want to get out off oh, of. You know. Boy. So can I just roll one right into the other? I mean, you can do it however you want. I mean, there's all no- right, man. Well, well, here's why I'm at the, the, the officials in East Lansing. Oh, boy. I'm going there and I know people don't want to go there. And guess what? I don't give a shit because I'm going there. I don't like I don't like talking about the referees. I don't like blaming the referees for losses. But I got to be honest, man. Like what the hell? What happened on Saturday? And, and let me ask you this question, Brandon. What occurred between Saturday when that game took place and whenever it was, the Big Ten figured out that they made a mistake. What exactly occurred during that time frame? As somebody on the outside looking in, here's what I would assume happened. A bunch of people sat down. They looked at the film. They made an educated decision based on their knowledge of the rules of the game and how things work. And they said, oh, shit, we screwed up. So here's my question. Why is it that that process can't be condensed down into five minutes, given all the technology we have, all the video resources available? Why does, why does it need to take three or four days with two top 10 teams competing and a pivotal play like that to realize you made a mistake? Now, what I do want to say, Michigan lost that game. They had several opportunities to put the Spartans away, and they didn't do it. But when you've got the Big Ten Conference saying, yeah, we made a mistake, and there's no resolution, there's no accountability, it's not just about that particular game. That speaks to a problem, a, a big problem in general that goes beyond Michigan and Michigan State. You cannot have referees on the field making calls in critical situations that have real-world impacts. I yeah. mean, th- think about these kids that, that they put in the training. And again, I'm not talking about – I'm not blaming the refs for Michigan losing. I think Michigan lost that game on their own. What I'm saying is that is unacceptable. That it's still on the, yeah. Whether you're on the side where you're like, I'm counting it as a Michigan win, which I mean, dude, there are some people in the right. market in the, in the fan base doing that. Or you're like way on the other end of the spectrum where it's like, no, and this is, I reside closer to this end where I'm like, how about you just go in and win a big freaking game on the road for once in your life? How about that? Sure. Let's just do that. I'm closer to that, but it's still it's still unacceptable. But, but here's here's the, here's here's the issue I have situations like that. Maybe and maybe I don't know. Maybe something happened that I'm unaware of. Where is the accountability? So we know that there was a, a major screw up. Where's the accountability? What's happened? How yeah. do you resolve it? You don't. So 
Look, you had two top 10 teams. This was a marquee matchup in state rivals. There was no excuse to have any officials call or work in that game that didn't have a full understanding of the rule. But there's no excuse to have any officials that don't have an understanding anyway. I just yeah. I don't understand how that happens. And then the last thing I want to say is why is Jim Harbaugh the one who's got to come out and say it? Well, we'll get to that. That's part of my burning questions. I'll, I'll I'll tease that a little bit. So we'll we'll expound on that a little bit here in a minute. But yeah, I mean, it's I don't know, man. I mean, like I, I saw, you know, Jim Harbaugh at the press conference today was asked very directly about those calls, and he answered the question. That's not on him. That's not his fault. But I'm think I'm sitting there thinking like, like they've played and won another game since then. Like I don't need, like just go away with this. It doesn't need to be talked about anymore. Anyway. We well, and here we are talking about it, and we're going to talk about it more in a couple of minutes. So, yeah, we'll get to that here. Well, you, you hope you hope it doesn't happen against Ohio State. Ohio State. We're in Happy Valley. TFG, this guy right here, right here. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Maybe we're both TFGs in the in the press box at Penn State this weekend. Well, there goes Chris. He must be having some audio issues. But for those who aren't aware. Uh, yeah, Chris and I will be going to Happy Valley for the Penn State game. Super excited about that. Never been there. Really excited to check out another road venue. And we are going with f- four of our of our buddies from either you know like our our childhood, college, whatever, whatever. And it's gonna be a blast, man. I'm I'm looking so forward to getting together with everybody, going to that game, and then you know the noon kickoff actually actually lends itself pretty well to our trip, Chris. Indeed. I know it's like the most exciting time for a kickoff, but um. The fact that we can kind of get up early, do a little tailgating, go to the game, cover it, get some work done, and then leave and have the rest of the day and the evening to uh, to enjoy the uh, the festivities. Happy Valley. Oh, maybe. We'll see. We'll see if we're going to enjoy them or not. We'll talk more about that throughout the rest of the week as well. Yeah, that's right. White Girl Wasted Part 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. that, is, that is an accurate description. All right. Um, Pro football focus toppers and bottom dwellers real quick. We did this last week. I think it went better when we just did the one and we kind of talked about some of the things that led to these scores and what we kind of saw in some actual game action. Chris, if you had to take a guess, I, I don't, I don't think you're going to get this one wrong, but who do you think was the top offensive performer for Michigan on Saturday? Hmm. One Mr. H2 Hassan Haskins, I would say. Mr. H2 is correct. Hassan Haskins scored an 80.0. Again, remember, if you're thinking of the pro football focus grades as like a grading scale in school, it's not quite that way. Like in the 80s is incredible. 70s is considered like a pretty good game. If you do hit the 90s, which a couple guys have throughout the season, uh, Blake Corum has. I know Aiden Hutchinson has. I believe David Ojabo has. Like that's that's like off the charts. If you can get into the 90s for your score, that's incredible. So again, Hassan Haskins, 27 carries, a buck 68 and a touchdown. Uh, just a stud. He was a stud all day and really carried the water. Isn't he? Football. Doesn't doesn't Pro Football Focus have him now as the highest graded overall yes. running back in the nation? Which is which is in the, I think it's a 91.0 if <laughs> I'm not mistaken. So yeah, again, anything in the 90s is insane. And he he's he's in there for the whole season. It's wild, man. Both both him and Coram have been super super efficient and and grading out really well. All that's season. you know what that's what really bothers me about this whole like I, I saw the the fans going back and forth about Walker and then you've got Coram and Haskins and it's like those guys are splitting duty. Like if you had you know if you were given the type of reps to like a Haskins or a Coram that you're giving to a Kenneth Walker, I would assume that the numbers would have been far more similar. So yeah, they're close. I mean. The, the, one, the one thing that I have seen Spartan fans go to with that is that Walker has a higher yard per carry average. So, like, you know, he's yeah. 
but it's close. I mean, and at one point, but until Walker went off for five touchdowns against Michigan, both Corum and Haskins had more rushing touchdowns than he did by themselves. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, they're all really freaking good. I mean, that it's it's fun to get into that debate because they're they're all really good. Do you have a guess at who may have been towards the bottom of the list for for this game against Indiana? And again, not really doing this to call guys out and to throw anyone sure. out, but I think it's worth mentioning, like maybe why something didn't work as well or why this looked the way it did when you can look at pro football focus and see some of these scores. I don't know. I would maybe go with like an offensive lineman. I'm not yeah, sure that anybody no. at the skill position. It was actually Zach Sinner, which is surprising okay. because obviously the coaching staff has raved about the kid and he's back from being, he's back healthy, but maybe still dealing with a little bit. He played every single snap. I, this is not cause for concern. This is not a worry, but maybe just didn't play his best game. And actually he graded out more poorly as a pass blocker than a run blocker. And that makes sense because Hassan Haskins had a good game. So that, that's what I think is kind of interesting with these actually technically speaking, the lowest scoring player in the entire game on offense was JJ McCarthy, but he didn't well, play very well. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say, I was just going to say, I'm looking at the comments coming in and yeah. it's funny. It's funny that prior to his arrival, like JJ McCarthy was the golden boy, right? Everybody was kind yeah. of in agreement on who he was. And now that he's here and he's doing some things and he's going through kind of the growth process, you've got people that are like, he needs to rein it in. They get, they can't put yeah. him on the field. Like he's not that good. And and it's just, it's funny to watch that evolution. Like, I wonder if he's, I'm sure he's experienced that as a player, you know, you're getting all yeah. the social media love up until you get here. And then it's like, a little bit of reality. So I, I technically went with Zach Zinner because he played every offensive snap. I think yeah. he played like 20, I don't know, 22. You mean they didn't ask Zinner to go in on third and 18 to make a crucial block? I mean, after not playing know, the entire game. Yeah. Some of the things, <laughs> like, well, what the hell is he going to do right there? I mean, like, yeah. you know, I'm trying to look. JJ played, he played 23 snaps. That's right. He tied his season high for snaps on the, uh, in that game. So not his best outing through a pick. Um, yeah, you know, it is what it is. All right. Defense. Uh this one surprised me a little. Number one highest graded player on defense for Saturday. I'm just gonna say Ojabo because I, I love him as a player and I, I think he should have been the top. It actually was Hutchinson. And you could you would if you guessed one of those two every single week, you'd be right. Because I'm I'm pretty sure that's how it's went. You know, Ojabo had the sack. Had I mean, dude, just another insane spin move. That like spin move is <laughs> I, I wrote this up today. There's NFL guys not doing that as There's good running as backs that can't spin like yeah. that. He's unbelievable, man. His athleticism, his balance, his lean flexibility, all of that is 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 second to none in terms of his you know his height, weight, length, size combination, speed, all that stuff. He's he's dude. He's just flying up. Uh, you know the the projected potential. I don't know if I could say NFL boards yet. I don't know if I've seen that, but he's on his way. There, I mean, like, there's no doubt about it. He's on his way now leading the team with eight sacks. But it was Aiden as at 86.8. And, again, it's not just rushing the passer. I don't know if everybody can remember. Aiden dropped back into coverage and had a pass break. Yeah, he did. I mean, he did, that's, yeah. that's going to score off the charts for a guy who's, you know, 6'7", 280, or whatever he is at this did point. You see, so, did you see the video clip of him getting out in coverage and going up yeah, and that's batting what that ball down? Yeah, like, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, that's going to score extremely well. Whereas Ojabo, like in coverage, which I don't, he only did one snap of coverage and he wasn't very good. Aiden yeah. had two snaps of coverage and one of them was outstanding. So you have to take all those things into account. Aiden actually scored best at looking around, looking around, tackling. 
So again, like everything's broken down into like positioning. Where are you at? Did you fight off a block? Did you get in position for a tackle? Did you make a tackle? And so technically, technically, Aiden Hutchinson scored slightly better. Um, is Michigan is Michigan turning into edge rusher? You sec well second on the team. Actually, I was wrong. Second on the team was not David Ojabo. Second on the it? team for score was Mozzie Smith. Mozzie Smith oh, out down the center of the D line, and Ojabo was third. Uh, we're gonna get into this too. David Ojabo, and you know, leave your opinions wherever you might want to leave them. David Ojabo played 19 snaps on Saturday. That's it. 19. 19 snaps out of 61. And over the course of the season, he's playing like a shade under 50% of the snaps. I think that's I think that's interesting. Obviously, he's really effective and obviously they're using him well. But like if he's averaging around 30 snaps a game, he's essentially missing like five games worth five games worth of action because he's on the sidelines half the time. I think we were trying to do that math right, earlier, right? try to figure out like how many more games Aiden Hutchinson has played versus David Ojabo just by like factoring in snap counts. And I think it was like three more full games yet yeah. from a production standpoint, they're neck and neck. And that that's a testament to just when Ojabo is on the field, he's eating, he's feasting every time he's out there. So the question then becomes, why wouldn't he be out there more? And you, you hate to do that Monday morning quarterback thing, but why, yeah, you know, it's, it's a reasonable question to ask. I mean, you can't complain about what he's done, but you wonder no. like, all right, if, if, if he did what he did on Saturday in 17 snaps, what would he have done in 50? And there, there were 50 snaps available. I mean, you, you know, they were, I don't know. It's just one of those, it's one of those things. It's like, well, you know, he's, he's, he's being put in very favorable positions to go get after the quarterback and just make plays. And he's, and he's making plays. I, I can't help but think like, dude, six five two fifty runs a sub eleven for hundred meter dash. Just put him on the field. I, I don't know. You know, like yeah. I said, we're not watching practice. Maybe he blows it every time there's a coverage play. I don't know. I would just be like, dude, just run and tackle people behind the line of scrimmage every time. I don't, I don't want you to cover. It's not what I want you to do. Just go, go, go. But anyway, we'll see. He's got eight sacks on the year. Whatever they're doing is working. And then on the bottom, on the bottom of the list, any any ideas? If you had to make a guess of maybe someone who didn't quite step up on defense on Saturday. Mm. Hinton? So Chris Hinton um, was like middle of the pack, not okay. as bad outing, but, but decent. It was actually true freshman junior Colson who played 43 snaps in the game, played a lot of snaps. And according to pro, according to pro football focus, really struggled in coverage and really struggled as a pass rusher. So those were the two areas hmm. of weakness in his game on Saturday. So again, it's not the gospel. It's not the Bible, but you, you know, when you're comparing everybody on the same plane and in the same way, I do feel like there's, there's value there. So if there's I, math, if there's math and equations that are routinely showing Aiden Hutchinson at the top, I would yeah, probably I mean, trust right? the, that those equations because they're It'll doing be something right going to be decent in some ways i see somebody asking about taylor upshaw yeah taylor upshaw's number nine um scored quite well in the game ahead of a lot of veteran guys like josh ross and brad hawkins and chris hinton so yeah he played he played a pretty solid game so anyway again i just think it's cool to kind of take a look at that it's another way to kind of dive into what we saw and, and break down some of the play all right uh we're halfway through man it's time to do burning questions you ready it's already that time it is dude i mean when we get, get to it. it you know we 
we always spend a good 20, 30 minutes on these. That'll yeah. put us at about an hour. So here we go, man. You ready? Let's do it. Cockles. Hot. Hot, hot, hot. That warms the cockles of the heart. <laughs> Burn them up, Jim. Burn them up. All right, I'm going to I'm gonna go first because I just go got ahead. done speaking about it. I'm going to ask it straight to you. Is David Ojabo playing enough? Is he playing uh, enough? I don't know because I feel like if I were to say yes or no, I would be pretending to know more about the defensive scheme than what I know. Okay. What I will say is that uh, – Here, let me, let me say one thing real quick just to, to, to lay this out for everybody and, and for you. So Michigan has played 579 snaps on the season and he has played 290 of them. So he's literally half. like at half. For half. comparison's sake, Aiden Hutchinson has played 453 snaps. He's played 163 more snaps than David Ojabo. It's crazy when you hear that. But where my mind and I and I saw somebody bring this up in the comments is that I don't know if there's certain packages that Ojabo just isn't isn't cut for yet. For instance, are they are there certain things where they're going to ask him to sort of drop back into into coverage? And if he needs to do that, like can he not be out there in those packages? So, you know, I there I will be I'm I'm happy to be critical when there's areas to be critical, but when it comes to that, I just I feel like I feel like it's almost nitpicking. I personally would love to see him out there because I love watching him play football, but but it's working. What they're doing is working. Funny you ask that, Chris. Funny you ask that because I was talking with some other people about this today and their very, very first, and I saw it pop up here, the very, very first question was how does how does he do against the run? And again, per pro football focus, he is only behind Aiden Hutchinson and Brad Hawkins against the run this year. There you go. So, again, it's not the Bible. It's not gospel. And maybe the Michigan coaches would say, well, eh, we're not really seeing – what we'd like to see out of the run. So that's why we bring him in when we bring him in and look what he's doing. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to start a controversy here. I just, in looking up the stats of trying to see how good he did on Saturday, I was like, holy shit, man, he only played 17 snaps. That's crazy. Right. You you view the two as almost like a, a pair. It's a package deal. And so the fact that Hutchinson yeah. is getting is getting so many more reps than Ojabo, and again, you look at the numbers and you're like, Ojabo's r racing to that record, that sack record. You wonder how big those numbers would be if the numbers were a little bit more close in terms of snap count. And Marcus, this is a great point and actually something I called and talked to Chris about a little bit yep. today. In 2019, Josh Uche was on the field for about 50% of the snaps. And then when he went into the NFL draft in the combine, NFL scouts were like, why the hell was this guy standing on the sidelines half the time at Michigan? That is criminal. Yep. And you can't help but ask the question, how in 2019, when you had a different scheme, a different defensive coordinator, and different position coaches across the board, are we seeing the exact same type of pattern that we're seeing with David Ojabo? How does that happen? Well, there's one answer. I'm just going to leave it at that. All right, Chris. There you go. Again, not trying to start a controversy. Ojabo's the man. No controversy. I think it's no. a fair. I mean, it's a fair talking point. Yeah. I brought this up earlier in the show, but I'm going to ask it again because I have it down as my burning question. It's it's simple. Does Hassan Haskins get the credit he deserves? Hmm. I like that question. I think he does. I I think he does because. Well, there's a couple things. He's I don't want to he's not boring, but cuz he does have the hurdle. He has some long runs on the year, but he's not he's not the pop-off 70-yard touchdown guy like Blake Corum. He's right. not back returning kicks taking him back 80 yards like Blake Corum. Um 
but he he was he was put in as an alternate captain when Ronnie Bell went down. So he's got the, he's got the love from his teammates and from his coaches. They obviously trust him. He carried the ball damn near thirty times on Saturday, and he, he he could do that every week if you needed him to. So, and he's also not a big talker. You know, when we get him for media availability, or like when we saw him back in in the spring yeah. uh, at Big Ten Media Days, like that, or in the summer, whenever that was, he's just not. You know, if you put if you took the entire Michigan football roster and put them in a room, you might not ever hear him say a word. And I think kind of all of that kind of, you know, plays into why he feels a little underappreciated or underloved. But I, I think like if you asked him and he was being completely candid with you, he would feel fine about it. I think his teammates would, I think his coaches would. And yeah, through, through the, the first part of the year, He's also been there longer, so it's not like a surprise that he's doing well. Like Corum was a little bit more of a burst onto the scene kind of feel. I think all of that kind of plays into how how it's perceived. But I think he's I think he's good. I think he's fine. I think you're getting what you get from him, and that's just kind of the dude he is. This is you know he grabs his hard hat, he grabs his lunch pail, he goes out there and he works. Yeah, and and that's that's why I kind of lean towards. I, I don't necessarily think he gets the love and the credit he deserves. Maybe not so much locally, but on a national level. And when you talk about, you know, when when you're, you're the starting running back at the University of Michigan, you know, typically you're going to be in the spotlight a little bit, but he's just sort of that under the radar guy who lowers his shoulder on Saturday, drags people along with him. And yeah. when he's not dragging them, he's hurtling them. I just think like I, I early in the season, same thing, flashy objects. Blake Corm was running all over the field. Obviously, my, my preference was Blake Corm to be carrying the ball and have the bulk of the snaps. But as we get into the latter part of the season, I'm really starting to appreciate Hassan Haskins' value more and more as the week goes on. Apologize very quickly there. I saw a couple people saying that the internet was bugging down. I didn't realize I had like <laughs> I had multiple tabs open from our website which have autoplay videos on them like nonstop. So I think we should be I think we should be good now. I think we should be good now. All right. Um my turn, right? Yeah, that was your turn. Yep. Question. Well, we kind of touched on this a little bit already, and I'm just gonna ask it this way, and then I'm gonna give my opinion on it because I have seen a lot of opinions on this going both ways. Did Jim Harbaugh handle the Michigan State officiating calls, reviews to the Big Ten office, and then question about it today at his media availability correctly? Has he handled all of that stuff correctly in your mind? 100%. Okay. I think he was asked a question, and he gave an answer, and and a factual answer on, on what happened. And I think a lot of times I've said this before, when it comes to Jim Harbaugh, he gets up in a press conference and he says some BS that, you know, isn't true. And everybody looks around and it's like, okay, well, we're wasting our time. But if he was asked specifically about this at the press conference, he gave a very direct answer. And I go back to, if that is the case and the big 10 did reach out to him, I'm pissed off that Jim Harbaugh had to, had to actually address it and that there wasn't something that came directly from the Big Ten. So personally, I feel like he handed it well. He was asked. He gave a direct answer. For anybody who was giving him shit for it, I just what, – what do you want the guy to say? What do you want him yeah. to do? So here's, how, here's what I will say. I think that when he talked about it after the game, that looked soft. To say, like, my players deserve better, shouldn't have happened that way, this, that, you know, like, th- that, that's soft to me. Like you, you were up 16 in the second half. Was the call bad? No doubt about it. Were there a lot of bad calls? Yeah, there were, but you're still up 16 in the second half and you didn't win the game. Like at some point, go win a freaking big game. 
You've been there seven years, bro. I'm done. I'm done hearing you talk about stuff like that. Today, I think he was fine because he was asked directly about it. And I like when he answers the questions that are asked at press conferences because so many times he gives you some rant and he goes off and goes on a tangent and doesn't doesn't speak to what was asked of him at all. Or he says things that are just clearly not true. And then I'm like, what the hell? What does he take us for? We just watched what we watched. Why is he saying that? I will, however, say this. I still think there's a little bit of like softness that comes through in Jim Harbaugh talking about it today, even though he was asked directly about it and just answered a question that was brought up to him. By the way, Angelique asked the question. I, I like Angelique a lot. She's super nice. I, I just, I think that's kind of like the, uh, that's like the, yeah, the little presser, the little, the little, uh, the little media person question. Let's ask about the calls from two weeks ago. I don't, I would have never asked that question, but obviously a ton of people are talking about it today. It's going to be a story. I get it. Back to what I was saying about Harbaugh. He said earlier in the same press conference today, somebody asked him about an old Ohio State game or an old Penn State game. And he said, "Ah, I'm not the kind of guy to get up here and talk about things from the past. We're on to the here and now. We're just we're just focusing on today and everything forward. But then like three questions later, he's like going on about the Michigan State calls. And I don't know. So I had a little bit of a problem with that. I thought he contradicted himself a little bit, but it is what it is. He was asked a question. He answered it. Yes, that's Dustin. That I don't. That sounds a little harsh because I think it. Look, look how many people are talking about it still today. We're in the business of writing stuff that people actually want to read. I say this to people all the time. They're like, "All you do is try to find the negative and point out things," and I'm like, "No, I try to find what's interesting." Like, if I write a story about Jim Harbaugh's seven and zero record against Rutgers. Nobody's reading it. No one cares. So it's it's the job of people in the media to find things that people find interesting or polarizing or debatable. And I asked this question to Chris. The first two things that came up were like one person said he handled it perfectly. The other person said that was bullshit. He never should have done that. I'm like, well, there you go. Like, yeah. there you go. That's why that kind of question is interesting and why people write articles about it. So anyway, that was a long-winded answer. I thought right after the game, not a great look. Today I was fine with it because he was asked about it. But – I don't like I don't like the ref discussion. Period. Well, then here then here's what we're going to do, because I'm going to roll into my second question, but I'm going to roll into my third question directly after my second question, because my second question isn't going to take long based on what we just talked about. OK, my second burning question to you was, Brandon, does Jim Harbaugh's comments about the officiating and the Big Ten's response afterwards change your opinion about what occurred on Saturday in East Lansing? No, I mean, I thought the same thing then that I thought now I thought there were plenty of bad calls. I mean, if you wanted to you know, look at Michigan state's copy. They probably could find some calls that they didn't like too. I mean, like did it's football, every sport. It doesn't even have to be, there's bad calls in basketball. That wasn't a foul that went off his toe and the refs didn't see it. I mean, like I just don't, I don't get caught up in the ref thing. And I said this to somebody on Twitter today. I used to play my whole life, multiple sports. And I was a head basketball coach for seven years, low level, middle school, JV. But like I coached, I was Dude, I would chew a ref's ear off if there was a bad call in the game. Like in the game, in the heat of the moment when you're coaching and you're in it, that's what you do. Everybody does that. But to like then focus on it at a press conference and then kind of send that message down to your players and then to answer some stuff about it on the radio two or three days later. And now, yes, he was baited a bit. He was asked about it today. I just don't think that's that's how you do it. I don't think that's that's how you go about talking about the refs. 
Yeah, it does. It doesn't change. There's okay. This is like a two part. It doesn't change my opinion about Saturday because I agree and subscribe to the belief that Michigan had opportunities to put the game away and they didn't do it. I think their lack of a killer instinct was more of a problem than the officiating Saturday in East Lansing. But what I will say and the reason why I got so angry about this and why I wanted, I definitely wanted to talk about it on the show is I go back to these things cannot happen. If there is a, if there is a means for the That's big right. 10, if, if there's a means for the big 10 conference to get to the right answer, to make the right call by using all the technology available and they can do it within two or three days and come to that conclusion. To me, there's no reason why they can't do that during the game when it actually matters. Finding out after the fact does no good for anybody. And really what it does is call into question the Big Ten Conference and, and the officiating crews they have working the games. So I'm not blaming the refs for Michigan's loss. What I'm telling you is refs missing a call so crucial and what looked so clear is a problem. And I think who I, I can't remember who said it. I think it was an ESPN analyst. He said, it's a problem because it's coming for you. It's coming for you. The, the bad officiating is coming for you. So we're looking at, you know, Michigan versus Penn State. We're looking Michigan versus Maryland, Michigan versus Ohio State. Guys, I'm telling you, if, if a call like that took place at Ohio State, picture that. Not, not Michigan State, but if Michigan fans have to go through that again against an Ohio State team, it just it can't happen. So yeah. that that actually that question turned out to be a little bit longer than I thought. I'll I'll kick it back over to you. Yeah, I will not. Um, I won't. I won't argue that point. I won't belabor that point at all. You got to get got to get it right, man. You got to get, get it, it right in a big moment in a big game like that. But to right. say that that's why they lost or like no. um, that 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 part, you'll you'll miss me with all that. I'm, I don't even I don't even I hate even seeing that from from people all across the board. All right, back to me. Back to me. Back to you, Chris. And I saw some people taking some shots at you here in the comments about it. Oh no! Oh no! How much does your ninety-one overall JJ McCarthy play this week? How much does he play? Ninety-three overall. Ninety-three. I think I bumped him up to a ninety-seven by the time the conversation was Good over. Good. Wait, how much does he play? How much does how he much play? Does he that play? What are you doing with JJ McCarthy this week? If you're the head coach. Uh... I don't know, man. I, I here's what I'm not doing. I'm not putting him out on third and 18 and asking him to make a play. What I what I would have done in the in the Indiana game was I would have given him the first two series to let him play and then pulled him and let Cade McNamara do the rest until the game was out of hand. It's just the the randomness. Look, I I see it all the time. Kate or JJ McCarthy goes out. You know, he, he first of all that that pass against Indiana. He escaped the pocket. He, you know, he showed tremendous athleticism. I know the end result wasn't what people wanted, but to ask a kid to go in cold when he hasn't even gotten into the flow of the game and have to make a big play, like, of course, he's going to force the ball down the field. The kid is a gamer and he wants to make plays. So this idea that like when he comes in at a random snap in the second quarter and somebody's like, well, you still want him to start? Like, yes, I want him to start. I don't want this type of usage, this type of usage doesn't make sense. Would I, would I still push for J.J. McCarthy to start a game and play an entire game? Yeah, because I think if he was actually allowed to get into a rhythm of the game, J.J. McCarthy would probably be head and shoulders above what we see out of Cade McNamara, but we're not going to see that this year because they're they're committed to using him at those random spots, and they're going to ride with Cade. And, and look, when it comes to Cade McNamara, uh, I don't I – don't, I'm getting some. I'm getting, I'm getting some, I'm feedback. Getting some feedback. Sound okay to me? That? I don't know if anybody else is getting it. Yeah, you're still. You still sound good on my end. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait. Somebody, somebody says, says it's like it's direct, like direct coming, coming back. back. 
All right. Well, I'll I'll pick up because I don't have I don't have much to add. Yeah, they're saying okay. you're going. I don't have much to add. I, I think it's I think it's I think it's exactly what you said, Chris. I think it's it's a weird it's been a weird usage all year. We've been talking about that. We've been you know we've been uh, is it echoing for me too or just Chris? I'm still seeing people talk about an echo. Hopefully, it's not me too. Um, but yeah, we've been talking about it all season, kind of like the the, uh, the predictability of of JJ coming in. Like you know he's going to run. It, it, you know if he doesn't run, like he, he's only thrown it a couple of times, and yeah, he's throwing it like trying to make a crazy play because he knows. And like I just I can't help but see how it looks out on the field when like JJ comes in, he runs a play, and then he's like standing there, and Cade's standing there, and they're both like. Uh, uh, uh. and then like you know then the play is called and they either swap back out or it's just like that's that's no way for a quarterback to live right that's no yeah. way for a quarterback to live so i've never i don't know if i've ever actually come right out and said bench k start jj but i think if you're going to play the kid that is the way to do it because what they're doing right now is just bizarre you know he had the fumble he's he's he now had the pick he's running around like crazy on third and 18 but then he also makes an incredible play to, you know, to Andrew Anthony in the red zone where I don't yeah. even know if we've seen that this year at all. I was talking to another buddy about that today, like targeting a receiver in the middle of the end zone. Who's all, who's already in the end zone, not like, you know, catch and run in or not like a fade ball to the corner. Like how about you use the entire end zone back of it, middle of it, front of it between the hashes and hit a guy who's already standing in the end zone. It's it's wild how little we've seen that this year. So yeah, yeah, it's it's been a little bit strange, and obviously the results on on Saturday for JJ weren't weren't very good because of the yeah lack of a rhythm and just like you don't know what you're really going to get. It's been it's been strange. So did I answer that question? How many snaps does he get? Was that the I didn't, question? I just said how would you use him? Just yeah, him I just I, the the answer to that question is I wouldn't use him the way they're using him now. I would either give him a couple series where he can like actually go to work and meet and get meaningful snaps doing it and develop a rhythm. My concern and and I've said this before. I think that if if it wasn't JJ McCarthy, if it was another quarterback that maybe isn't as mentally tough as JJ McCarthy, I feel like the way you're using this kid could actually work against his confidence. It's random. He doesn't get a rhythm. He walks away from the game. Like sometimes he makes a big play. Sometimes he makes a blunder. I just, I would really love to see him get some consistent reps, a couple of drives when it's meaningful. Cause I think they're going to need it. And there is this Cade is not a hundred percent limping around a little bit. Coach Harbaugh last week, I think in preparation for Indiana said he was kind of working through something a little bit. He's been in the injury tent multiple times. That that certainly factors in too. So yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see. We'll see. All right, you're up, man. All right. This one this one when I saw come come over on social media, I was blown away. Cause as I was reading it, I expected it to lead to a certain destination and it never got there. So right. this is not Michigan related, but it, it does impact them a little bit. Nebraska earlier today. Here? No, not Michigan related. All right, okay. Well, c- kind of. Nebraska earlier today. This fing guy. Announced that they're going to keep Scott Frost. Scott yeah. Frost is sticking around. And you sent me a text when this came out. You know, we kind of exchanged our thoughts on it a little bit. But I'm just going to ask you. I already know what your thoughts are, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Is this a good move by Nebraska to keep Scott Frost in town? Doesn't look like it, man. Their record's been awful. But but I have seen a lot of people defending it. I have seen a lot of people defending it, too, because they said this is the best that they've looked. And, like, you, you – 
there's a fear that you pull the plug on it just just before you should have um yeah i mean it's it's he he's been he's been way worse than jim harbaugh i mean like i remember you know when people were trying to do like a scott frost jim harbaugh comparison i'm like you know where i stand on harbaugh i don't think he's been very good at all but he's been so much better than scott frost that that comparison shouldn't exist but they're kind of in the same boat where it's like you bring back the 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 savior the the, you know the favorite son the 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 former just god of campus and yeah. you feel like a little stuck to him we've said this, i mean chris you and i have said this a million times if jim harbaugh's name was jim johnson he's canned two years ago man gone at I least mean, two years ago and so that's i feel like there's a little bit of that going on with scott frost i mean i thought he was going to be so much better than what he has been that i'm, I'm really surprised that it looks like this but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. What, how did you word it? Am I surprised by it? Is, is it is it a, is it a good is move a good by move. Nebraska? Yeah, um, it? it feels like the less of two evils or something. Like that's, I yeah. think, what I would say. Good move. I don't know because I mean, if he does it again, then you are just pulling the plug, and then you're like, why the hell did we just do this last year when we re-upped with him and like restructured some things? I mean, they're doing kind of what Michigan did, like changing his contract up, reworking some things. Like, yo, if you suck again, you're freaking out of here, dude. Because we made it. We made it easier to get rid of you. So it, it's it's about the best they can do right now, I think, because you're entering into that whole like dead man walking thing if you're coming down the end of your contract or you don't know what the future is going to be yeah. like. Now he can still recruit. Now there's some continuity. Now he can try to build out his staff. Like, it, it, I get it. But if I'm a Nebraska fan, I'm not like I'm not excited about it. You know. I th- I wonder if, it, you know, it's funny because we see it in this fan base. There is this devotion to Jim Harbaugh that even if the results aren't there, there is just this love and affinity for him because of his history with Michigan, the connection there. Like there is a certain segment of this fan base that as long as Michigan continues to win at least eight games every single year, wants Jim Harbaugh to stay forever. And I wonder if there's, you know, if that same thing happens in Nebraska, like you, you like from the outside looking in, I can look at Nebraska's record and say, Oh, that's dog shit. I wouldn't want that. But I'm wondering if there's folks in Nebraska that are like, you know, so attached to the days, the yesteryear of Scott Frost and, you know, the, the, the heyday of Nebraska that they're willing to take more lumps than they otherwise would because of that emotional connection there. You see it play out in Ann Arbor. And I think that's the gamble when you hire somebody like that, where there is such a strong connection and a history that you want it to work so bad. Like I, I still want it to work with Jim Harbaugh so bad because that's the way the movie was supposed to go. He was supposed to come home. He was supposed to revive Michigan and Michigan was supposed to climb back to the top of the college football mountain. That's what we all thought was going to happen. What is this? The fast and furious. He needs 14 movies to get it done. <laughs> he lives his life a quarter mile at a time. How are we doing? Man? How are we doing? <laughs> fast and furious. 97. <laughs> Vin Diesel, 62 years old with a Walker kicking ass. Like that's, that's the, that's the movie Jim Harbaugh's on. No, yeah, I, yeah it's like I said, I, I get it. I wouldn't love it. I haven't loved it at Michigan. I it, and Michigan's a couple. I mean, think about it. Think about how like Nebraska f- fans are feeling and like how crazy everybody's kind of looking at this. Then add three years onto it. That's where Michigan is. But like, but the argument will be the argument will be the winning better. percentage. The winning. Yeah, he's percentage. been a, he's been a lot better. I get I get it. I get it. But the, there are some in, in this. In this discussion, there are some similarities because of the, the contract restructuring and the way it was kind of playing out and what they're hoping for, that they don't pull the plug a little too early. So, yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see.
Um, all right, we touched on this a little bit, but we are going to be in Penn State this weekend. Super pumped about it. We're going with some buddies, making it a whole weekend trip. I can't wait. What's your vibe for the for the noon kickoff thing? They're doing a white stripe game, I guess, right? Like they're they've got yep. the blue stripe down the middle to to resemble their helmets. They're going to do a, a mini white out. It's going to be light out, but maybe starting to get dark towards the end of the game. Now that we've got this daylight savings thing, but I guess just the the vibe that it's a noon game versus like a crazy night game. I think it bodes well for Michigan. I mean, we, yeah. we've seen what it looks like going into Happy Valley under the lights, and and anytime they do something with that crowd, whether it's like a stripe out, a white out, or whatever the hell they're doing the, this weekend, that you know, Happy it takes on that. You know, it feels like going to Kinnick or it feels like going to Columbus. It's just it's a really really hard place to win at night. I think the noon kick is going to work to Michigan's favor, but I don't know why. Like I still feel, still feel nervous about this one. I still go into this weekend, not feeling sure. So I'm, I'm happy that the kick is at noon. If the question is, how do I feel about that? I feel like it works to Michigan's advantage for sure, because we've seen yeah. what could go wrong under the lights in happy Valley. Yeah. Drew, Drew you're probably right. I don't think it's going to be getting very dark by the end of the game. I mean, close. I mean, like, you know, it'll have <laughs> it's like dark at 1 PM now. It'll have like that dusky, like the, 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 the sun will be below the horizon of the stadium. They'll probably Your biological clock starting to wind down already. You're starting to yawn yeah, a little bit. I'll probably have to put the lights on for the very end of it, but no, it's not going to be dark. It's not going to feel like a night game or a whiteout, but you know, they're trying to make it into something doing the stripe out, whatever they're doing. But yeah, I don't, it's, I mean, we've, we've seen it. We've seen it at Michigan. Like, noon games just kind of feel sleepy. That You get up and you're right there and you, you, you try to play a game and manufa uh, manufacture some energy and get it going, but it does. I think it bodes well for Michigan that it's at noon. I think we've heard – what game was it earlier this year? We talked to Blake Corum about that. He said, yeah, like an earlier game, actually, I feel like it's probably an advantage for us. Uh, what one was that? It would have been Wisconsin. It was Wisconsin. What? Yes, it was Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, because we weren't sure what deal. time that game was going to be, and he was very clear. He's like, "Yeah, night games are cool, but you know, it's it's easier for us on the road when we go into a stadium and it's not you know that raucous environment." So it's crazy that when when he answered that, because you look at it, you know, we look at it from a fan perspective. I'm like, I love under the lights, I love prime yeah. time, but from a player's perspective, they're like, we want to get the dub. We we've got goals. Like time matters. Yeah, I guess. So so we'll see. I mean, I mean, I'm super excited to be there. It's, you know, one of the better venues in all the country. I'm, I'm pumped to watch the game from there. But, yeah, I don't I don't think the noon thing did them any favors. And it, it's not really on them. It's it's TV stuff. It's, you know, it's it's time slots. It's prime time. It's the way Penn State's season has gone. I mean, it's a yeah. little bit of everything. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it feels at noon in, uh, in Happy Valley on Saturday. One thing's last for one, sure. Last one for you or you got two more still here? I've got two more. I've got two Damn, more. We got to yeah, we got to get going. We're over an All hour right. now. Let's speed it through. Number four, Kirk Herbstreet put Michigan at number five in his latest college football playoff rankings. Is that a good move? Fair move? Is that where Michigan belongs? Rankings come out Tuesday. It's probably okay. I mean, it's like we've said multiple times throughout. Wait, the I'm year. sorry. Did I say number four? Or number five? You said five. Five, right, five, just on the outside looking. And I can give you that he's got Georgia number one, Bama two, Oregon three, OSU four, and then he's got Michigan, Oklahoma on the outside looking in. I think it's hilarious that we, like Alabama would be number two whether or not they lost to Texas A&M. doesn't matter. That's, yeah. that's really weird. But, it, I mean, like, if the goal is to get the four best teams in there, then, yeah, they probably do belong. But, no, I think that's, I think that's fine. It's like what we talked about all season when the new AP poll would come out, you kind of look down the list. And you're like, yeah, Michigan would beat them or they're as good as them or they're right there. They're right there. And you put them with Oklahoma. 
Yeah, yeah, I do. I think they're I think they're in that ballpark. And I know Michigan State fans are going to be like, we beat them head to head. How is that possible? Well, Michigan State's loss to Purdue is worse than Michigan's loss to Michigan State. I mean, like that's that is a weird way to think about it, but it, that's that's how it happens. And again, it's not really going to matter because all those teams in the East have to play each other, and it's going to work itself out. So it's it's not really worth getting worked up right now. But I, that's fine. I'm fine with Michigan being at number five. If they were a spot or two below that, I'd be okay with that too. But I'm, yeah, I think it's fine. Agreed. Go. Agreed. There you have it. All right. What is the? There's quite a few things kind of building, and we've talked about several of them here today. What worries you most? about this Penn State game on Saturday? What's the biggest, like, oh, man, damn, I don't know, or I wish that wasn't happening right now? What happened on Saturday? Just just things or, or happened on Saturday in East Lansing, I should say. We spent the most, most of the afternoon confident that Michigan was going to win that game, and then in the second half, things just started to spiral out of control. And that's my fear is that Michigan gets up early. It's the same type of deal where it's a sleepy afternoon. Michigan controls early Penn state rallies late. And then we've got a game in the fourth quarter. There's just the, the math, you know, last weekend was so favorable for Michigan. The math is starting to work out. They just, they got to take care of business in happy Valley, get through Maryland. And then we all know it's November 27th. So. Yeah. I think the first thing that came to my mind, the first thing that came to my mind was the injuries. You know, if like AJ Henning, Andrell Anthony can't play, Roman Wilson may still not be a hundred percent. Dalen Baldwin hasn't been playing hardly at all. I think Penn State's defense is going to be able to keep the running game bottled up, like Michigan, like Michigan State's did. They've got just as good of players, probably more talent in that uh, in that regard. And I think they're going to try to take the running game away and and make Cade McNamara beat you with a banged up receiving core already missing Ronnie Bell. You know, I, I so. I guess it's like injuries and then what that, what those injuries then mean for the offensive game plan. Like the thing know, is, I'm not even I'm, sure what they mean because how often the list, the guys you just listed off like an AJ Henning, I know he's used a lot in special teams, but how know, often are not, they used? I know, but somebody's got to play somebody. I'm, I'm, well, yeah, well, I, that is weird to think like an Eric all has been coming on. Like, I don't think you're going to, I don't think you're going to see this, but envision a scenario where you don't have Blake Corum, Andrew Anthony, AJ Henning, and Eric all like, you know, your offense suddenly feels and looks a lot different, even though none of those guys have had like, you know, a monstrous, monstrous game. I mean, Eric all, you know, had 10 grabs for hundred yards. That's a, it's a freaking big game for a tight end. I, I just, I just think that what that might end up doing to the rest of the rotation and how the rest of the offense might look. I mean, the offense already hasn't been very good, man. We've talked about that all year. The passing game has been spotty at best, best, best game of the season obviously was against Michigan State. I think Penn State's defense is better Penn State's pass defense is better than Michigan State. So I think like that that worries me a little bit. It does. It worries me a little bit about what that could end up looking like. But again, I, I don't know if we're going to see it really because I do think I think a couple of those guys are going to be back. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I hope so because I think they're going to need it for sure. No, 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 no. Sorry. Don't 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 anybody run run away with what I just said. No, it's not confirmed that those guys are out. I'm just saying, as we sit right now, and we're trying to figure out the rest of the week and what it might look like on Saturday, the injuries have me a little concerned right now. I mean, if we find out by Wednesday or Thursday that they're all back, then it's a moot point. But for right now, all those guys left the game early and didn't come back, and you you know you wonder if they're going to be available. Yeah. All right, my final question. Last one. Last one, Brandon, and it's a big one. I'm asking 
for you to look a little bit further into the future here, but will Michigan's red zone woes ultimately be their downfall in the 2021 season? I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it the first eight weeks. I was just going to say, you could already make an, uh, make an argument that it, it, it was, I mean, like that's why they lost to Michigan state. I mean, I think, I think, yeah, biggest yeah. problem. They couldn't stop Kenneth Walker and they couldn't score touchdowns. That that's why they lost. And so it's going to be the same thing in Penn state. You know, you, you've got to score touchdowns against that team in their house. And dude, Ohio state scoring 50 a week. I mean, I know they didn't this week. They had a little tougher game than I thought they did not cover and they didn't look overly explosive against Nebraska, but they're going to do, they're going to give Michigan their best shot. They're going to, they're going to have a bunch of scarlet in the, in the stands. They're going to want to make a statement in that stadium again. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think it's going to end up being the reason why they don't win the Big Ten and why they don't play for a Big Ten title and why we're talking about all this same stuff again, again, and again, and again, and again. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Same. I think it's already been a problem, and I think it's going to be a bigger problem over the next two or three weeks. Same. I, and I agree, and I've seen you know people in the comments saying it, it already has cost them, but they've rebounded, and now the math is starting to work in Michigan's favor, and they've got a real shot at this thing. And you just keep hoping to see the red zone offense improve week after week. And it doesn't look all that good. And I just don't see it's, it's not being a hater and I'm not trying to be negative. I just don't see a scenario where you can win a big 10 championship with this type of red zone offense. And if you still subscribe to the idea that maybe they're holding something back in the red zone and waiting for Penn state or, or Ohio state, maybe that's true. But to this point, if you look at everything we've seen out of this football team in red zone, you have to be a little bit concerned about whether or not is that good enough on the road in Happy Valley? And is that good enough, obviously, at home against Ohio State? And and if the past is any predictor of the future, you know, we, we've seen that type of thing be the cause for why Michigan slips up when they shouldn't. So, man, you hope they get it corrected, but you're week nine now. Like how, you know, you would think it would have already you, been corrected. You, they, they are what they are. They, they is, are, it, is it safe to say right now? They, uh, have we reached a point now at this point where they are what they are? There's no yes. like there may be a little something, another wrinkle no, they, there. They but this is they who are. they are, right? Okay. Yeah, they are what they are. I mean, yeah, it, it might fluctuate a little bit. Like they they might they might play Penn State this week or Maryland, and you know, go four four for five for touchdowns in the red zone. But I think ultimately, like they they are what they are. They're going to get down there. They're going to bog down a little bit because the play calling is not creative enough and it doesn't utilize the whole field from what I can see. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it, like I said, that, that cost them against Michigan state. They kicked four field goals in that game. Michigan state kicked none and they let run, Kenneth Walker run wild. That's why they lost. What was that? Somebody had said at one point, and it was a fan in the comments. They had said Michigan had scored five times. Uh, Michigan state had scored once and was only down two possessions. Like that's, yeah, that's the difference like between that. that's the difference between field goals and touchdowns. Like obviously Michigan was converting, they were putting points on the board, but when it's only three at a time, like you can make that up really quickly on the other side when you're scoring touchdowns. So touchdowns has to be the name of the game. And you said it. Yeah. Ohio state didn't look like an offensive juggernaut against Nebraska, but prior to that game, they were putting up over 50 points a game for like six straight weeks. And we've seen that when they come to Ann Arbor, they tend to play their best game when they're facing the, the guys in the winged helmet. So, you know, don't expect Ohio state to fall off anytime soon. Couple, a uh, couple people saying the same thing. Couple guys who we really appreciate <laughs> always in here commenting, Cody, 
uh, from the Facebook play page and Dependent Fanatic from the YouTube page saying the same type of thing. There is no holding back plays at this point. And if you, again, you, you take what Jim Harbaugh says at press conferences with a grain of salt. I commented on this. If you didn't see this, I think I had six or seven quotes from Jim Harbaugh's presser today and then gave my opinion on what they meant and kind of what he said and whether I bought it, whether I didn't. And one of the things he said was, no, we 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 are doing everything we can to win every single game. And I and me and Chris talked about that earlier this year like they are not withholding plays at the risk of losing to Rutgers earlier this year just so you have a couple plays you can call against Penn State this weekend or Ohio State in a couple weeks right, that you right. haven't used yet. Jim Harbaugh said we're not saving anything. It's we're winning we're trying to win every game that we play by any means possible. Now, I I do think like we, we've seen this, too. When you can run the ball 50 times and you're getting eight yards a pop, they don't need to trot a bunch of stuff out there. They don't need to show their hand and do other things. But to think that they have some secret chapter at this point is it's just not accurate. They don't. They, they have what they have. We're going to see what we've been seeing. And, you know, there might be a wrinkle here or you've been watching film on Penn State and it's like, wow, their linebackers really blow at coverage. Let's really – Let's really emphasize the tight ends up the seam this week or something. Like you, you go into different game plans, changing things a little bit, but it's not going to be a complete rollout or some new system that we haven't already seen. There's just there's not enough time for that. So anyway, I think everybody's kind of on the same page. We're 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 I don't know. I think it feels like there's a little concern about Saturday. Michigan, by the way, Chris, Michigan opened up as a dog. I think they yeah. are a one. I think it's a one-point dog right now. I haven't looked at the line today, but I think they opened up. They opened up as a as an underdog on the road, and well, we know how that typically goes. So we'll see. I'm not sure if they still are. I'm I'm guessing a, a game like that on the road with Michigan's fan base, the line could potentially move. But I believe they opened up as a one-point dog. So yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm gonna look at it right now. Got anything? To, Finish this out here, Chris. We're pretty much done with the old uh, burning questions. Cockles are cooling yeah. off. Yeah, it was good. I mean, you know, I think we're just – you feel like you're kind of in a holding, holding pattern now and you got to get to Saturday and you got to see what Michigan looks like. I think everybody's pretty much – nobody's really that worried about Maryland, right? It's like the, the mindset is if you can get through Saturday, if you can get over Penn State, that good God. it looks like uh, oh, those people – those people – I loving it. They love it. They love it. Um but it, it, it looks like the way things are trending, and I, I put this out on the winged helmet earlier today, but it just looks like, like, are we trending toward Armageddon November 27th in Ann Arbor? Like, I did not see this coming preseason, but we are here. We got, we got three games left in the season, and it's starting to look like, once again, it might be Michigan, Ohio State, for a chance to go to Indy. And I'm telling you, man, as a football fan, if it plays out that way, the storylines going into that game, year seven, where Michigan is, where Ohio State is, Ryan Day, Harbaugh's record. College football fans deserve to see Michigan and Ohio State play for a Big Ten championship, and I think Michigan fans to see deserve to see the Wolverines in Indy, so hopefully it plays out that way. We're yeah. starving over here, man. We need something. I said, you know, I, we just want to hug back. We just want to hug back. Michigan currently still a one-point dog. On DraftKings again, maybe we're you know I don't know it could be it could be one and a half it could, whatever, but that's I mean you're essentially talking about a toss up. But if you want to get technical, you come back to that underdog on the road record and it's not good. So 
Jim Harbaugh will have a chance again to change the narrative this weekend, and we'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. But as of right now, Michigan is a one-point underdog against Penn State on the road. We will have a guest to talk about the Nittany Lions on Wednesday. Chris and I will get back into our uh, our our uh, our routine. I think we're back on it. This, you know, I've recovered from Saturday. I'm good on a Monday. But you're, but you're, by the time you're fully recovered, you're just gonna. We're going right back to Happy back. Valley. So you know, had the Jays on. I think I may have told you about the Jays a few times. Uh, yeah, we talked about your Jordans a few times, a handful a of times. times, a couple times. I get a little chatty. I have a little chatty Kathy when I got a little a little booze. The Baconator. The Baconator. Love he's that got a, guy. He's got a couple. He's got a bacon cheeseburger in his back. <laughs> what John, you bacon's got drugs. <laughs> what am I doing in that moment? I don't know. Uh, having a having a blast. That's what I'm doing. Hopefully yeah, I saw I saw somebody say it. Darren May. Yes, fan show Wednesday. We we will have somebody on. Ah, uh, right yeah. Well, that's or no, right. we're gonna we'll, we'll do that Friday, right? The guest comes on Friday. We'll talk we'll, about we'll it afterwards. Fan there you yes, have it, fan show on Wednesday, Darren. We will be back on Wednesday night. Thanks everybody for sticking out with us. See you.